Good morning, Chapel. How we doing today? We good? Man, it is so cool to see the house full this morning on the 4th of July. Uh, man, it, let's be honest. Today would have been a real easy day to skip. I mean, we're just doing one service. I mean, you could have just said, I'm going to sleep in, watch online. They won't even know. I mean, they, they gave one service just the whole day off. So they, they're off the hook. So y'all could have, could have slept in. And I mean, a lot of y'all probably have family coming in today. And, you know, there's you know, a lot of preparation that, that goes into that. Um, it can be, can be stressful at times, getting ready for family to come in. Or if you've got a boat, you're planning on getting, getting out on the water today. Who's, who's getting out on the water today? Anybody? Yeah, if you've got a boat, I, I've made a, a, a decision in my life. I'm never going to own a boat. I'm just always going to make sure I have a friend who owns a boat. It's just easier that way. And if you are a friend of mine who owns a boat, please do not think that is the only reason I'm your friend. That's not it. So don't feel like you ever need to get rid of your boat just to you know, test that theory out. There's no need to do that. Uh, that's just not, that's not it. Or maybe if you're like me, you could have stayed home today because you know you got to get the grill fired up. Anybody, anybody cooking anything good today? Some barbecue? Yeah, I've got some ribs that are going on the smoker as soon as I get home. Pretty excited about that. Shout out to my man Billy down at Midtown Butcher for hooking me up with the good stuff. Y'all need to go see him if you haven't already. But uh, but yeah, you had a lot of a lot of excuses to not be here today. But but you're here. And uh, I believe that the Lord is going to honor your commitment to him. He's going he's gonna to honor you making him a priority to be in his house with his people. And I think that the Lord's going to bless us for that today. So, uh, yeah, like Pastor Bobby mentioned, this is my first time preaching on a Sunday morning. I'm uh, a little bit nervous. I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't. Uh, but thankfully, Pastor Bobby gave me plenty of heads up, plenty of notice that I was gonna be preaching today. So I've had lots of time to think on what I was gonna say, what I was gonna preach about this morning. And you know, my first thought was, well, I'm the worship pastor. I could just preach on worship, you know, living a lifestyle of worship. Uh, but the Holy Spirit said, no, nah, that's, that's a cop out. So we're not gonna go that route today. And then I thought, okay, so I'm not gonna preach on worship. It's July the 4th, I could preach on freedom, freedom in Christ. But the Holy Spirit and I both agreed that would be a little bit cheesy. So, um, yeah, so he didn't, God didn't let me off the hook, but he gave me a message. He's been, he's been stirring this word inside of me for some time now. And uh, I really believe that it's a word from the Lord. It's been ministering to me, and I'm hoping that it can minister to you guys as well today. So, uh, you guys with me this morning? All right, we're about to see. How many of you in, this, in the place would say that people today are pretty easily offended? Show of hands. Yeah, some of y'all are like, oh yeah, a bunch of snowflakes. Some of y'all are like, oh, it's gonna be that kind of day. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think if we're honest, we'd agree that people are pretty easily offended nowadays. And um, people are afraid to speak their minds because they don't want to offend anyone, they don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Uh, so they don't, they don't speak their minds unless, you know, they preface whatever it is they're about to say with something like, hey, no offense, but, and fill in the blank. And what does that mean, right? That just means somebody is about to say some disrespectful stuff to you, but they said no offense, so you're good. Or they'll say, hey, 
don't take this the wrong way, but fill in the blank. And all that means is, hey, there's really probably only one way for you to take what they're about to say to you, and it ain't good. But they said, don't take it the wrong way, so, you know, they're good. Or the best one that we here in the South like to use, uh, the, the ultimate Southern get-out-of-jail-free card is what? Bless their heart. Here in the South, you can say anything about anybody, as long as you followed up with a bless their heart. You can say, man, that, that dude, he's just not real bright. I mean, he's about as smart as a sack of hammers. Bless his heart. Or you can say, man, that girl, she just, she's just not real cute. I mean, she looks like she fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. Bless her heart. I mean, it's, you can say anything. Y'all have all done it. We've all done it. At my house, I actually have my own version of this. Uh, you guys, most of y'all know my wife, Reagan. Um, isn't she awesome? She's great. And if you know her, you know what I'm about to say. I don't really have to explain too much. But every once in a while, she'll do something or say something, and it just, I just kind of look at her, and I just, all I can say is, Honey, you sure can sing. <laughs> and, you know, oddly enough, she doesn't usually take that as the compliment that it is. I don't know why. But can't she sing, though? I mean, she can really sing. Come on, let's show some love for my wife. See, now she can't be mad at me. We don't have kids yet, so, I mean, she's really all I got. Um, but, yeah, so why do we say these things, though? It's because we think that they cushion the blow. And why do we feel the need to cushion the blow? Again, it's because, you know, we're afraid to offend anybody. We're afraid to make anyone uncomfortable. We don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to make ourselves uncomfortable. So we, we preface anything we're about to say with, with little phrases like that. But I believe that in our efforts to sugarcoat everything and avoid any level of discomfort, we're actually doing one another a great disservice I think we can take a look at the world around us, and if we're honest, we, we realize that, that we as a society are tolerating a whole bunch of mess because we're unwilling to say the hard things, and we're unwilling to hear the hard things. So today, I want to I talk about how we have got to learn to say the hard things well. Have to learn to say the hard things, but to say them well. What do I mean by the hard things? I, I don't mean things like, oh, I just, I got to figure out a way to tell my wife that her cooking just really isn't as good as my mom's, or, you know, I got to figure out a way to tell Dylan that his coffee breath in the morning is just, it's pretty rough. Uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, no, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about, uh, yeah, eat those all toys, buddy. Um, Talking about, you know, real situations. Situations like knowing that your friend who says they really only want to have a couple of drinks, but you know that it's a much deeper issue than that. And you know you need to, to talk to them about it, but you're afraid that if you do, they would get upset or they would just deny it. Or, or situations like knowing that your best friend is sleeping with his girlfriend outside of marriage and, you know, you want to talk to him about it, but you're just afraid that you know, it would 
It would be awkward. It, would, it might embarrass them. Or parents knowing that maybe you know that your, your teenage son or daughter is sneaking out and, and partying and doing a whole bunch of stuff, but you know, maybe y'all's relationship is kind of on the rocks right now anyways, and you don't really want to make it any worse, so you just kind of, you know, turn a blind eye to it. Those are the kinds of situations that, that I want to talk about today. And, and um, you know, these things are difficult for a multitude of reasons. And my message today is titled Tough Love, because I do believe that there is a right and a loving way to say these things. And my hope today, like I said, is that I can challenge you and encourage you and equip you so that when these challenging moments of confrontation arise, you can speak to them with confidence and truth, but also with grace and with love. So today, if you've got your Bibles, we are going to be in the book of John, chapter 4. And if you've been in, in the church for any length of time, this is a story that you will be undoubtedly familiar with. This is the story of the woman at the well. So John chapter 4 says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us to the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jer Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And God, I thank you for your perfect 
word, Lord, I pray that you would just use this word to pierce our hearts, to, to penetrate our hearts and our minds, God. Lord, I thank you that your word never returns void. So I pray that it would be your words and not mine today that, that goes forth. Lord, we thank you for this word, and God, I pray that you would just be with us today. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So learning to say the hard things, but say them well. The first thing that I want to look at is uh, point number one is our methods or, or how we go about doing this, saying these things. So I believe there's two types of people in the room today. There are those of you who, who struggle to bring up these hard things at all. Uh, you may really hate any type of confrontation. It stresses you out. You lose sleep. You miss meals when you know that there's a conversation like this coming up. And it just, you hate it. It's the worst thing in the world. And you put it off as long as you possibly can, right? Um, then there are those of you in the room today who, you know, don't seem to mind conflicts whatsoever. You don't mind to ruffle a few feathers. You know, you, you may even get excited about it. You may seek it out. Um, and those of you that, that fall into this category, you don't struggle to say the hard things, but, but maybe you struggle to say them well. There's a difference. And so my hope in looking at this passage today is that, you know, observing the way Jesus confronts this woman and has what would undoubtedly have been a pretty uncomfortable conversation with her, uh, that we'll be equipped with some practical ways on how to handle these situations. So uh, first, I, I want to address something that maybe you were aware of, maybe you weren't, and that is that Jesus has a slight advantage over us in these kinds of moments. And uh, that advantage is that he is God. And it's real groundbreaking stuff today. Um, maybe you were aware of that. Um, but he is, he is God. He is, he is fully man. We see that in verse 6 where it talks about how Jesus was thirsty and he was tired. And he had a physical body. But he is also fully God. And it's because of this that he, he does have a supernatural knowledge of this woman's history and her life that you and I are most likely not going to have as we enter into one of these conversations. Please do not try and confront a total stranger on the street about what you perceive to be their sin issues. That is not going to go well. Um, this means, you know, that for us, likely a conversation such as this one is going to take place within the confines of a pre-existing relationship. So my first strategy, my first method is make deposits. Make deposits. So we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life. We do this through relationships that have been established with encouragement and with love. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another. Build one another up. See, people are kind of like bank accounts and encouragement. Loving words are like deposits that we make into these relationships, into these bank accounts, if you will. We have to be making deposits, making deposits because... These difficult conversations that we sometimes have to have are a lot like withdrawals. And uh, in order to be able to make a, or make a withdrawal, you have to have first made some deposits. 
so that you don't get hit with that, uh, that card declined message on the screen. Anybody ever been hit with that? That's a good feeling, right? I cannot tell you how many times when I was broke as a joke in college, going through the Taco Bell drive-through, handing the lady at the window my card, just kind of saying, well, we'll see. Anybody? Just me? Because if the money's not in there, it's just not there. And you're gonna find out real quick. But these kinds of conversations, these, you know, the way it works with our relationships, it's, it works the same way. If you go to have this, this kind of conversation with somebody and you've not made sufficient deposits, you're gonna find out real quick. So make deposits, be encouraging, speak life into the people that you love and the people that you have surrounded yourself with because the day will come when you'll have to make a withdrawal. So make sure that you have deposited enough into those relationships. The next thing, pray first. Pray first. See, many times we know what we need to say, but don't know exactly how to say it. So Reagan and I have been married for a little over two years now, so things are getting pretty serious, you could say. Um, and if I had a dollar for every time I'd heard the phrase, it wasn't what you said, it was how you said it. Anybody else heard that? Yeah. Because uh, I, I knew what I wanted to say to her, the message that I needed to get across, but I may not have chosen the best words or even the best tone of voice to convey said message. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, sometimes that's the case when it comes to these conversations. But if we would take a second to pray before we engage, the word says that he will give you the words to say. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Guys, we have the Holy Spirit as a helper. Use him. Use him. That is a gift. That is a precious, precious gift. The word says, you know, that Jesus was telling his disciples when, when, he come, when the Holy Spirit comes, that's an even greater gift than his physical body was, his physical presence on the earth. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. So we have the Holy Spirit. We have to use him. Pastor Bobby said it this way a while back. He said, before we talk to people about God, we need to talk to God about people. So he will give you the strength, the confidence, and the words to say if you will pray first. Next thing, don't argue. Now this one's tough. This one is hard for me. I don't know, maybe it is for you. I, I come from a family of arguers, uh, not in like a hateful kind of way, but we just, we just like to argue. We like to debate. I mean, it gets, it can get heated at times. There, we're competitive. I mean, there are board games at our house that we have had to just completely ban. I mean, they, we, can't, we can't bust them out of the cabinet. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause a fight. Scattergories, it's a great game. We can't play it at our house. It just gets, it gets too heated. But don't argue. We see in verse 20 here, uh, the woman quickly changes the subject. She says, uh, you know, Jesus had just mentioned her, her five ex-husbands. She says, quickly, she says, uh, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. So she, you know, she tries to change the subject and, and debate with Jesus on, you know, places of worship, which has little to nothing to do with what Jesus had just brought up. He, he talked about her five ex-husbands. She said, let me, 
bring up literally anything else real quick. Um, but but we, we see that that happens a lot of times. If we, when we go to, you know, confront someone uh, that, that we love, have a, have a serious conversation with them, a lot of times their initial reaction is to try to start an argument, to, to divert the subject to something that has nothing to do with it, and they're just, it's a distraction. But Jesus didn't take the bait, and neither should we. If we find yourself, you know, in a heated argument in one of these conversations, you might as well be pouring gasoline on a fire. But Proverbs 15:1 says that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if we want to say the hard things well, you have to remember this, that a lot of times you have a choice in these conversations. And that choice is that you can make a point or you can make a difference. That's the decision that we have a lot of times. You can, you know, you may have an airtight argument for, this, for what this person is saying to you. And, I mean, I've, again, learned in my short time of, of being married that, you know, you can win the argument, but at what cost? You can win an argument, but, but you can lose every bit of equity that you've established in that relationship in the process. In one, in one word, in one sentence, it can be gone. So you can make a point or you can make a difference. That is a choice that we have a lot of the time. So our last, our last method, spit it out. Just say it. Don't beat around the bush. It's easy in those moments when we, when we get to the, you know, the meat of what we need to say. I mean, you can, you can sit somebody down and, you know, really set the, set the stage for this conversation that you're about to have to have with them. But then when it comes time to actually, you know, say what you need to say, you know, it's easy to, to sort of dance around the subject. But we see Jesus didn't mince his words, and neither should we. In verses 16, and eight through 18, he says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right, you have no husband. For you've had five, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. I mean, that escalated quickly. He didn't mince his words. He didn't beat around the bush. And, and a lot of times when we speak timidly, we, we speak a, a halfway truth. We try to take the edge off of what we're saying. And, and all this does is rob the, the other person of the opportunity to feel the full weight of the conviction that they need to feel, that they need to hear. So spit it out. Just say it. Trust that you have made enough deposits. Trust that you have sought the Lord on what you need to say and that it's going to be received. So spit it out. So those are, those are some methods, those are some practical how-tos on how to, how to enter in these conversations. The second thing I want to look at is our motives. We've got our methods, now we've got our motives, the why behind, you know, why are we even bothering? Why are we even taking the time to, to have these conversations? They're not fun, so what, I mean, is it worth it? I believe there should be two primary motivators for why we have these types of conversations, why we feel the need to say these hard things to one another. 
and that is love, and that is a pursuit of holiness amongst the body of Christ. So let's, let's talk about love. I believe it's absolutely imperative that you approach these types of conversations from a place of love and not from a place of condemnation. See, Jesus managed to confront the sin without condemning the sinner. He didn't call her names. He didn't make her feel shame. He didn't condemn her. It was actually because he loved her that he confronted her. See, Jesus loved her too much to allow her to continue living in her sin. Romans 2 Verses three and four says, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And what we have to understand is there is nothing more kind than pushing someone towards repentance. I'm going to say that again. There's nothing more kind than urging someone towards repentance. We just have to redefine the word kind because it doesn't feel necessarily kind in the moment, not all the time. So our definition of the word kind and, and the world's definition of the word kind are pretty different, or at least they probably should be. Our, just like our definition of love and the world's definition of love is very different. And I, I don't know if you knew this, but actually, according to the world, Christians are probably some of the least loving people on the planet. You know, from, from the world's perspective, in order to be kind and loving, you must be tolerant and even encouraging of every single lifestyle and worldview out there, or else... You know, you're, you're intolerant. Even if, even if those lifestyles are in direct opposition to the word of God. We have to not only be tolerant of it, but, but encouraging or else, you know, we're hateful. We're not loving. Churches, you know, are, we've seen them begin to water down their convictions and their beliefs. And they allow, they've allowed the world to infiltrate their doctrine and their teaching because they don't want to risk being seen as unloving. Churches are allowing people onto their platforms whose lifestyles do not represent a lifestyle of holiness simply because they don't want to offend that person or, or appear intolerant. And if I could, I just wanna take a moment to brag on our worship team. We have an incredible worship team. Would you guys agree? We are, we are so blessed. And you may know the people that you see up here. You may know them really well. But if you don't, I mean, you, you hear they're, they're gifting, they're talented. There's no doubt about that. I don't have to convince you of that. But let me just be the first to vouch for their character, for their integrity. See, I believe what, what makes the worship in this house, part of what makes it so anointed is that these people are not putting on a show. This is not a, a facade. Anybody can get on stage for 20 minutes and act you know, like, like they've got it all together, like they love God. But it's, it's who these people are off the platform. They're the same person 
They're the same people off the platform that they are, the, are on the platform, and I believe that is part of the reason why the worship here is so anointed. I mean, yes, Melissa Dollarson has one of the most powerful voices you're ever going to hear in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. But it's who Melissa is off the platform, I promise you, that makes her such an anointed worship leader. The Lord has given her favor. And that, I, I, that's across the board, our entire team. Yes, they're talented, but, but it's their hearts. It's their, their character, their integrity. I always say this, that you know, your, your talent, your gift may give you a platform, but it's your character that gives you a voice. And, and our worship team embodies that, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to get to lead them and be part of that team. Amen. And Reagan sure can sing. But the world says if we aren't accepting, we are intolerant. And if we're intolerant, then we're hateful. But I would submit to you that there is nothing more hateful than allowing someone that you love to continue living in a lifestyle of sin that is sending them to hell. I'm going to say that one more time. There's nothing more hateful than allowing someone you love to continue living a lifestyle that is sending them to hell. And that's heavy. You know, it may seem harsh, maybe. But I promise you that those words are nothing compared to hearing the words, depart from me, for I never knew you. See, what would happen if maybe we realized that that, that uncomfortable conversation that we're putting off that we don't want to have or don't know how to have, that conversation that we're putting off could potentially be saving the father from having to have an infinitely more uncomfortable conversation later on. It might, it might change things a little bit for us. So it's kindness that leads to repentance. We just have to understand what is truly kind and loving. There is nothing more loving than the truth. There's nothing more loving than clarity. And there's nothing more loving than pushing someone's towards repentance. We also have to realize if we can urge someone towards repentance, then they will always find something better than what they had. See, the woman came to the well for water, but Jesus had something even better. He had living water. See, our God is not just a thou shalt not God. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 10, 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we have to realize that God is not a party pooper. He's not just trying to rain on your parade. He doesn't you know, want you to be just bored and miserable all the time. He just has something better for you. So we all had to realize this at one point. We came to Jesus because we knew that he was better. And when it comes to confronting the sin in, in a loved one's life, we just have to get them to understand that pursuing a life of holiness isn't about following a book of rules. It's about experiencing life and life more abundantly. It was because Jesus loved her, that he confronted her in her sin. 
And it was because he loved her that he pushed her towards repentance and holiness. Jesus didn't call her out. He called her up. That was something that that we heard a few times if you were here for prophetic presbytery, that that phrase. And I'm going to borrow it because I think that it sums up what I'm trying to say today very well. See, our job is not to call people out. It is to call them up. That should be our motivation, love, pursuit of holiness, not condemnation. So so those are our motives. We've looked at our methods. We've looked at motives. The third thing that I have to look at is myself. So we've looked at methods for how to approach these types of conversations and motives for why we should address these kinds of issues. But the reality is that you can have you know, the best practical methods and you can have the purest of, of intent and motivations, but, you know, the person still may not receive what you have to say. And we have to realize that ultimately we can't control others. The only person that I have any say in is me. So you have to ask yourself two questions. One, are there areas in my own life that need to be addressed. And two, if the roles were reversed and I was the one being confronted about an issue in my life, how would I respond? Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Matthew 7.5 says, You hypocrite, First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We must, we must constantly be asking ourselves these questions. So we have to understand that everything that we've talked about up to this point also applies to us. There's no double standards in the kingdom of God. We can't expect a certain standard of, of holiness from others that we aren't willing to uphold ourselves. We must be pursuing holiness in our own lives and we must be open to hearing the hard things when we need to hear them. And what does this require? This requires us to surround ourselves with people who love you enough to say these things to us. Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron, but in order for iron to sharpen iron, There has to be a striking. There has to be friction. It's uncomfortable. Iron doesn't sharpen iron just by sitting across from from another piece of iron at a coffee table. It doesn't just happen. You You can sit across the table from somebody and there never be any sharpening at all if you never go deep, if you never say the hard things to one another, if you're not willing to be vulnerable, to make yourself uncomfortable, to make them uncomfortable. That's how iron sharpens iron, is through friction. We have to surround ourselves with people whose primary goal in in, in their relationship to you is to move you closer to Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, we see a paralyzed man. He has 
four friends who literally pick him up from a mat, tear up somebody's roof, and drop him through the roof just so that he can be at the feet of Jesus. These are the kinds of friends we should keep, friends that want to move you closer to Jesus. These are the people you need in your inner circle. We also have to be careful in our own lives, not to mistake the feeling of offense with the feeling of conviction. See, Jesus gave the woman at the well a really good opportunity to be offended. I don't think anyone could have blamed her for responding poorly to a total stranger to her, bringing up the intimate details of her failed relationships. But because the woman had not allowed her heart to become hardened, she was able to discern between the emotional reaction of being offended and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is key. See, when someone points out sin in your life, it's never fun. It can feel like an attack if you let it. But we have to remember that God prunes those that he loves. John 15, two says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If the people that you have allowed to have a voice in your life have felt that it's necessary to sit you down and address some issues, you've got to trust that they're not picking on you. Remember the deposits that they have made in your life over the years. Trust that they have sought the Lord before they came and talked to you. God's not picking on you. He wants to prune you to make room for something even better in your life. So don't mistake conviction for offense. Don't harden your heart. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit lead you to repentance. Let it lead you to holiness. I'm so thankful for people in my own life who I've allowed to have a voice, who over the years have had the boldness and the kindness to have some hard conversations with me. I'm thankful for my dad who, when I was a teenager and he knew that I was looking at things on the internet that I had no business looking at that, you know, he didn't just, you know, dismiss it as a teenage boy being a teenage boy. Would have been easy to avoid a pretty awkward conversation. I don't know if it was awkward for him, it was awkward for me. but he loved me enough to, to sit me down, to talk me through it, to correct me in love. I'm thankful for 
my college roommate, his name was Kari Bolden. When I was in college and was living in rebellion and living like hell, to be frank with you. He loved me enough to, to sit me down and have a conversation with me well into the wee hours of the night and just say, bro, this ain't you. You know better than this. And it was through conversations like that that the Lord began to convict my heart again, to bring me back to, to my convictions, to my relationship with him. I'm thankful for Kari. I'm thankful for a wife who her primary role, she wakes up every morning and, and decides that my primary role as Jason's wife today is going, I'm gonna try to make him look more like Jesus today. She is very concerned with the protection of the integrity of my heart. And that has led to some uncomfortable conversations and I'm sure will lead to a few more. But I'm thankful that she loves me enough to address these issues head on. So you may be out there, you may, as soon as I started talking today, you may have immediately thought of a conversation that you knew you needed to have, that you've maybe been putting off because it's awkward or it's gonna be painful. Or maybe you're the, you're the other person, you're, the, you're in the other shoes and you know there's a conversation that was had with you recently and maybe you didn't respond very well. Or maybe you know there's probably a conversation that is coming or at least needs to come because you've got some, some things in your life that, that need to be addressed. So whichever side of the coin you may fall on, I just wanna encourage you this morning. It is the kindness of Jesus that leads to repentance. He prunes those that he loves. Our job is not to condemn, that's not our place. Never has been, never will be. Our job is to call people up, not to call people out. Father, we love you today. And God, I just pray for these people in this room, Lord, the people watching online. Lord, if there's a conversation, if there's an issue that, or that they know they need to address, God, I pray that you would give them the boldness, the confidence to speak to that issue with truth, but with grace and love. God, that we would not be a religious people who, who call people out, who condemn those struggling with sin, Lord, but that we would be a loving church that calls people up, that pushes people towards repentance because that is the most kind thing that we can do. And Lord, I pray that you would just search our own hearts or that we would be open to correction. We would be open to to hearing these hard things when, when we need to hear them, or that we would surround ourselves with people who love us enough to make us uncomfortable, 
to sharpen us, no matter what it feels like in the moment. God, I pray that you would just take this word, that you would seal it. Lord, your word never returns void, so pray that it would bear fruit in our lives today. God, we love you so, so much. We thank you for your presence in this place. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.